13 and 3. Hebrews 13 and 3. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. And uh, let's just begin reading. Remember, so the Bible tells us we're supposed to remember something. Let's see what we're supposed to remember. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Now, if you want to, you can underline that in your Bible. Chained with them. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Now, that's the New King James Version. The New International Version says that we should remember those who are enchained, who've been mistreated, as if we ourselves were suffering. We're suffering. And so today I want to talk about the persecuted church. The persecuted church. Titling the message, Chained with Them. We're supposed to remember people who have been persecuted because of the the stand they took for Jesus Christ, we're supposed to remember them as if we were chained with them. Just think about that. If, if you're chained to somebody or handcuffed to somebody, it's not going to be real easy to forget that person, is it? If you're chained to them, if you're handcuffed to them, I mean, they're going to be ever right with you. And that's how God tells us to remember people who have been and who are being persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to remember them as if we were chained with them. Now, we need to realize that that we have a wonderful deal here in the United States of America. We have great freedom. It's a wonderful place to live if you're a Christian, you know. But you need to realize that in 36 countries, Christianity is against the law. It's against the law to be a Christian in 36 countries of the world. It's against the law to assemble as Christians, to publish or distribute Christian materials, including Bibles. Christians in these countries are harassed, put in prison, tortured, mutilated, deprived of their possessions, and not allowed to work for a living. And many are even killed, put to death. And in 16 other countries, besides those 36, where Christianity is against the law, in 16 other countries, Christianity is not against the law, but Christians are often victims of violence by groups like Muslim extremists. And in these countries, the government usually turns a blind eye when Christians are mistreated and persecuted. Isn't that something? Think about that. You know, it's so easy to live in the United States and take for granted the great freedom that we have. And so all I'm saying to you here today is, let's don't ever take that freedom for granted, but let's also remember those Christians, we're members of the body of Christ who are in other countries, who are suffering and persecuting, who are, who are suffering and being persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ. How are we supposed to remember them? Are we supposed to just remember them in passing? Are we only supposed to remember them once a year? Are, are we supposed to remember them as if we're what? As if we're, as if we're what? As if we're what? Chained with them. 
Do you hear that? Now look at Hebrews 11.32. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 32. And of course, the writer of the book of Hebrews, I, I believe it was the Apostle Paul. And he's talking about some of the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. And he's been talking here in chapter 11 about them. And then he says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were, now watch this. Others were what? Were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Tradition says... That Isaiah the prophet, that the people of his day so hated the words that he spoke that they took him and they put him in a hollow log and they sawed the log in two with him on the inside. They were sawn in two, tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves of the earth. And they did that because of the stance they made for Almighty God. You understand that? And so, how are we supposed to remember these people? As though we're what? Chained with them. Real loud, say that again. Chained with them. Chained with them. They should always be part of our memory, thinking of them. Now, notice it's interesting when you go back up to verse 13, Hebrews eleven thirteen, because in context here, the Bible tells us something about these people that we just read about. Yes, they had great victories. They did many wonderful and marvelous things, but, but they were persecuted. And, 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 you know, a lot of people did a lot of bad things to these folks. But notice what the Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. It says, these all, talking about the people that we just read about, these all died in what? They died in what? They died in faith. What's significant about that? The thing that's significant about that is that these people did not give up and quit when persecution came against them. They did not give up and quit. They did not renounce Jesus Christ when persecution hit them. They kept the faith and they continued on believing in the Lord. You need to realize that. Because you see, when persecution comes, when people are putting us down, I remember when I was in high school and I took a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and I got persecuted. People called me names. They said, there's religious boy. 
There's the preacher kid. Huh? There's the kid that won't go drinking with us. There's the kid that won't do drugs with us. There's the kid that thinks he's holier than everybody else, which I didn't, but that's what they'll say. And they made fun of me. And you know kids can be very, very, very cruel. And they can be very mean. And, and, and sometimes part of their meanness is they'll ostracize you. Or, or, or like, remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? They wouldn't let Rudolph join in on any of their reindeer games. Remember that? And, and in many cases, they wouldn't let me be part of their group anymore. It's real tempting when that persecution is coming against us to just give up and quit and say, well, let's just, you know, let's just walk away from Jesus and join them. If we, you know, they're coming against me, can't beat them, join them. Let's don't do that. Amen. Let, you know, when you serve God, you're going against the flow. You're going against the world. You're, have you ever tried to go walk when an escalator is going down? Have you ever tried to walk up that thing? It's pretty hard, isn't it? But you see, in those times of difficulty, in those times when we're being persecuted, in those times when people are coming against us for our stand for Jesus and our stand for holiness and our stand for the righteous cause of the word of God, when, when people are coming against us and, and the devil is coming against us and all hell is breaking loose against us, that's when we need to just stand firm in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the word of God. And endure. And, uh, you know, if I live my life through here on the earth before Jesus comes back in the rapture, that's one thing I'd want them to say about me, is he died in faith. Real loud say, died in faith. Died in faith. That's the way when you die, that's the way you want to die. Amen. In faith, is that right? So let's don't give up and quit. And these people we read about, I mean, they had stuff coming against them left and right, but they all died in faith. And you see, Jesus said, he said, a servant is not greater than his master. He said, if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. You need to realize that. How, how many of you love Jesus in here and you're following him? Well, guess what? As a result of following him, did they persecute Jesus? Yes. Well, he said, a, he said this. He said, a servant is not greater than his master. Well, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus. He said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, one thing I can promise you is that there is going to be persecution. They persecuted Jesus every which way you could imagine. I remember the Bible tells us that when he got up and preached his first, well, it, was, it may have been his first or one of his first messages there in a certain synagogue, he got up and preached. And you know what they did afterwards? They didn't greet him with a handshake and said, you know, good, good message, preacher. You know what they did? The people that sat there listening to him got up a mob together and, and took him down to the edge of the cliff and tried to throw him off and kill him. Now, if that's not persecution, I don't know what is. But you know, the Bible says Jesus went right on through the midst of them and he went right on preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen? Notice if you would, 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12. Notice this. 2 Timothy 3.12. Pick up midway through the verse. It says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. How many of you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? Well, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you will what? Suffer what? 
you will suffer persecution. So just get ready for it. It's going to happen. If we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. You know, as I've studied church history, I've studied the Bible extensively, you know. It's interesting uh, that the people in the early church... Now, we read a moment ago in the book of Hebrews about people in the Old Testament. But if you look at the early church, right after Jesus had died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and the first years right after that, you see that the church was severely persecuted. And again, we're supposed to remember them as though we're what? As though we're what? Chained with them. And you know, I think of Stephen. How many of you remember Stephen? He was the first martyr. Somebody said, well, what's a martyr? Someone who is put to death for the cause they believe in. Ask you a question right now. Would you be willing to be put to death for the cause of Christ? Something we all need to think about. In this country in which we now live, it's not a question that's on the table. But there's countries in the world, as we said, to be a Christian there, you put your life on the line. But I think of Stephen in the early church. He was the first martyr that we have listed. And uh, notice uh, Acts 7, verse 54. Go there if you would. Acts 7, verse 54. He's the first Christian martyr. And notice here. That, you know, that, we, that we have record of. Acts 7.54. Stephen was preaching, you know. And the people didn't like what he was saying. And in Acts 7.54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. The people that were, were listening to Stephen. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. Have you ever had anybody gnash at you with... But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, that didn't make these people very happy. Then they cried with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. See, they didn't like to hear what he was saying. And they stopped their ears, they put their hands over their ears, and ran at him with one accord. Don't you think that would have been a scary place to be in? And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. They threw rocks on him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who we'll find out later, of course, became Paul. And notice verse 59, they stoned Stephen... As he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Boy, that's the way you want to go out right there. Is, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Is that, isn't that right? But notice, he was, if you read the whole, you know, the whole entirety of this, Stephen was standing up and he was taking a strong stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not a lukewarm Christian. He was an on-fire Christian, full of the Holy Spirit. And he stood up for what he believed in. He stood up for the Lord Jesus Christ. He boldly proclaimed the Lord Jesus Christ. The people didn't like it, but he kept right on proclaiming the Lord Jesus. And then they came against him and they stoned him. They're you know, and they're gnashing their teeth and all of that. And they stoned him. And notice, as they stoned him, he said, Lord Jesus, 
receive my spirit. Verse 60, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Wow. Think about that. How many of us, if people were coming against us, we could have that same kind of attitude? If people were there killing us, literally killing us, and, they, and he says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That doesn't mean he took a nap. That means he died. His spirit left his body. And guess where his spirit went? His spirit went into the presence of the Lord. But here we have someone who was persecuted for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting as we look at some of the other church leaders in the early church, James, who was John's brother. Remember Peter, James, and John. Remember James, who was John's brother. Peter, James, and John were Jesus' inner circle. But James, think about James here. Now... Of Jesus' twelve disciples, James was the first of the twelve to be martyred. Listen to this. On the way to be executed. Now listen to this. When they were taking James to be executed for the cause of Jesus Christ, he showed so much courage that one of his executioners was so impressed and moved that he confessed Jesus and was beheaded with James. Did you get what I just said? They're taking James to be put to death. And James, he wasn't afraid. He had so much courage. He continued to stand for Jesus. And it impressed one of the, the actual guy that was supposed to put him to death. It impressed him so much that the, guy, the executioner got saved and, and said, put me to death too. If there's a man that will stand so for the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the cause of Christ so much, I'm not going to kill this guy. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus and I'll just die with him. Isn't that something? That, that's sobering to me. I, you see, I judge myself against that. If, if, if they were taking me out to put me to death, would I have so much courage? And would I, do I believe in Jesus? Am I so committed to Jesus that I would stand with him right down to the, down to the wire, down to the end, so much that it would make my executioners get saved and die with me? I think that's a question we all ought to ask of ourselves. Peter, how many of you remember Peter? He was persecuted much. And when he was to be crucified, tradition says he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner in which my Lord was. So they crucified him upside down. Matthew, do you remember Matthew? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, we, we understand that he was pinned to the ground. They nailed him to the earth and cut his head off. Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? But he was also the first one to call Jesus, my Lord and my God. He had such a stand for Jesus, and he was tortured, and run through with spears, and thrown into a fiery oven. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he was a pastor, and he wrote the book of James as the Spirit of God gave it to him, he was thrown off the temple tower and he had his head beat in with clubs because he stood for Jesus Christ. Luke, remember Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he was also the traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. He was a physician, you know. 
He was hung from an olive tree. Mark, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, well, the guy who wrote Mark, he was tied with ropes and then drugged behind horses until dead. Why did they do that? It was as a result of speaking out against the people of Alexandria and their idol worship. You have to realize that these guys, when they went into the pulpit to preach, they realized that the, the message that they would preach could cost them their lives. You see, when I step in the pulpit here this morning, I preach a message, somebody may not like it, they may grumble and complain afterwards for a little bit, and they may not come back, but that's pretty much the beginning and the end of it. But I tell you what, I've never once stood in the pulpit where I preach a message that I realize that if the people don't like this, I might not get out of here alive. You need to realize that that's the position that a lot of these men stood in when they walked in the pulpit. They, it, 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 hey, I may not get out of here alive. Should I water this down? Should I tell the people what they want to hear? No, they stood in the pulpit as real men of God and they preached the word of God without compromise. And like Mark, he cried out against the idol worship. Of, uh, he cried out against the idol worship of Alexandria without compromise, and it cost him his life. But you know what? I'm confident Jesus said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'd rather have Jesus clapping for me than man. How about you? John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? He was, how many of you know, he was beheaded, wasn't he? Remember, he, he, John the Baptist, he cried out against Herod's sexual wrongdoing. Remember that? And remember Herodias, I believe it was, had her daughter Salome dance. Remember that? And, 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 and the, the, the king said, I'll give you whatever you want up to the half of my kingdom. Remember that? And so she went to her mother and she said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Remember that? That great man of God, John the Baptist, well, his stand for Jesus Christ, his, his stand for Christ, when, and when he cried out against the sins of the king, he cried out against the sins of political leaders. Listen to me, it, it cost him his life, but it was worth it. I'm so glad that he maintained firm for Jesus. How about you? Amen. Timothy? He rebuked the Ephesian pagans over their idolatry. He was beaten with clubs and died two days later. John, look at Revelation 1 verse 9. John, Revelation 1 verse 9. John, the apostle John, the one that laid his head upon Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. Notice this, Revelation 1 and 9, notice this. How are we supposed to be remembering these people as though we're what? Chained with them. He said, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos. Now, why was he was why was he exiled to Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ? Tradition says that John was boiled in oil and they tried to kill him, but he was unharmed. And when they couldn't boil him in oil and kill him, then they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. 
And we see he was there by his own testimony because he took a stand for the word of God, for the stand and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only of the twelve apostles that did not suffer a violent death, but died an old man of natural causes. You need to remember the Christians in the early days of the church. I told you about some of the church leaders, but you need to remember that the Roman emperor Nero would have Christians sewn inside animal skins and fed to the dogs. He would dress Christians in wax clothing and set them on fire to provide light for his parties. He also had Christians fed to the lions. You need to remember that was a big sport back in that day. They would feed Christians to the lions. And the people would come out and, 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 and pack the large coliseums uh, to watch the Christians being fed to the lions. We need to remember these people as though we're what? Chained with them. In many cases... You need to realize this. In many cases, Christians would have the chance to renounce Jesus Christ and their life would be spared. While being taken to the place of execution, Christians, they would be given the chance, okay, if you'll reject Jesus Christ, if you'll renounce Jesus Christ, then we'll let you live. Polycarp was one such Christian a leader in the early church. And he was given the chance to renounce Christ or be burnt at the stake. He replied and he said this, For 86 years I've served Jesus. He has never wronged me once. How can I blaspheme my Lord who has saved me? And they burn him at the stake. Oh, I've tasted of the Lord and I found out he's good. When his disciples were walking away from him left and right, and he turned and he said, Do you want to the twelve remaining? Do you want to go too? And Peter said, Where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I decided I'm not going any other way. I'm staying with Jesus all the way. I've put all my marbles, seldom in life do I put all my marbles in one basket. But I'm here today to tell you, I've put all my marbles in one basket. It's the B-I-B-L-E. It's still the book for me. I've placed all my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God. There is no other. Can you say amen? Amen. Polycarp said, for 86 years, I have served him. How can, he's never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme the Lord who saved me? Remember the Apostle Paul? How many of you remember the Apostle Paul? He said, he said concerning himself that he was in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Think about that. They, he got beat up a lot. I said a few weeks ago, that's one reason I believe that Luke the doctor traveled with him. Not just to be someone that was a secretary to him, but Paul needed a doctor. Did you ever think about that? He said, from the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. That means 39 lashes with a whip. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. And once he said, I was stoned. Remember, they drug him outside of the city, stoned him and left him for dead. The Bible says the disciples gathered around him and prayed and he got up and he went back into the city and he continued on with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, through many tribulations and persecutions, we enter the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, when you sign up for service in the kingdom of God, when you repent of your sins and bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and make Him the Lord of your life and accept Him into your heart, yes, you get saved, you're going to miss hell, you're going to make heaven, but also you become an enemy of the devil in that hour. And the world is going to come against you on every side. You need to realize that. And as you get, live godly, Remember, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. Paul said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. They fed him to the lions too, but he survived. And ultimately, Paul was beheaded when he was a very old man. They cut off his head for the cause of Christ. And we could go on and on and on. Fox's books, Book of the Martyrs lists many, many martyrs uh, throughout the, the last 2,000 years, you know. And, and uh, you can get that book and read if you're more interested in finding out, you know, about what different Christians went through and what they suffered, you know. But I want to ask you this. Because people have asked me, they say, Pastor, what lay ahead here for the United States of America? What lay ahead? What lay ahead concerning persecution? You know, we live in a time now like none other that I've ever been aware of since I've been alive on planet Earth here in the United States. And uh, how many of you know there's some tough times going on out there? Isn't that right? And we know during the tribulation period, you know, after the church is raptured and, and the tribulation period starts and the Antichrist comes on the scene, there will be much persecution and many will be martyred in that time, you know. And as we've said, there's persecution happening now throughout the world. What about the United States? Well, you know, I've studied and some prophets, some men of God have prophesied and said there'll be great signs and wonders happening here in the United States like in the early church. But if that's true, I would also have to add this, that I also believe there's going to be persecution that we're going to see in this land like we haven't seen. And I'll say this, I think actually this nation, and some people, they don't understand what, when I say this, they don't understand, but I've come to think that maybe persecution is the only thing that's ultimately going to stir the church up enough to really rise up and do what God has called us to do. Because as I study and I see, it seems like when persecution is coming against the church, it's, somehow or another, it stirs the church up and gets people working together for the cause of Christ. And then people, Christians, go out and begin to win souls. Now, isn't it sad that it takes persecution to do that? Wouldn't it be better if the, if the preaching of the Word of God could stir us up so that we'd get so stirred up that we'd go out and preach the Word and, and tell people about Jesus? Wouldn't that be good? 
But so often that doesn't happen. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be wonderful if we'd study the Word of God and allow the, the Spirit of God on the inside of us to stir us up so that we went out and preached the Word in our world, you know, wherever it is we go during the week and, and became soul winners? Wouldn't that be better if the man of God preaching could do it or the Spirit of God, you know, through the Word of God? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But, you know, I've come to see that so often it takes persecution to do it. Notice Acts chapter 1, if you would. I want to show you something that, 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 that I think you'll find interesting. Go to Acts, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 said, Now Saul was consenting to his, Stephen's death. Now you need to realize, it says right here, at that time a great what? Persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all, now watch this, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now I want to stop right there and I want you to look at this. Persecution arose against the church. It had been all between eight and ten years. Now listen to this. How many of you remember? Now leave that up on the screen, please. Remember Jesus said before he ascended back up to be seated at the right hand of the Father? Remember he said, you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Is that right? So they were supposed to start where? In Jerusalem and then go out to Judea and Samaria. But eight to ten years passed and they didn't do what Jesus said to do. They're still at Jerusalem. And it's interesting, they're sitting under the ministry of the apostles of the church. They're sitting under the best teaching of the word. The Holy Spirit moving in their services. And think about it, they're still sitting there. I'm talking about Christians. They're still sitting there, not going out and preaching the gospel. And what did it take, and it's sad to say, but what did it take to get them scattered out? What did it take? It took what? What did it take? What did it take? What did it take? Persecution. It's kind of sad, isn't it? But persecution hits the church. And now, what do they do? Now, they go out through where? The regions of what? Judea and Samaria. That's what Jesus said to do eight years ago. Jesus told them to do it. They still weren't doing it. The apostles are teaching them. And they still haven't done it. What did it take? Wouldn't it have been better to let the apostle Peter himself preach to you? Paul himself preach? Or you know what I mean? Peter, whoever, and get you stirred up and go out and do what Jesus said do? But it, they didn't do it. What did it take to get them stirred up? What did it take? What did it take? It took persecution. And so they went out. Now, somebody stayed behind. Who stayed behind? It said, it said that, look at this, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the who? They stayed to teach, right? But the people who had been sitting there for eight years, it took persecution, they're scattered. Now they go to Judea, now they go to Samaria, and look at verse 4, notice what they do. Look at verse 4, let's just skip down to verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? 
Isn't it sad that it took persecution to do that? I, I, so having said that, I'll say this. I think the church in the United States could use a good dose of persecution. Because I've watched and I've seen, evidently, the moving of the Holy Spirit hasn't stirred people up to go out and be soul winners. Evidently, the preaching under the power of God as unctioned by the Holy Spirit hasn't stirred people up. I think maybe we're at a point now where this nation could use a good, heavy, strong dose of persecution to come against it to get the church stirred up to go out and preach the gospel. Can anybody say amen? God, send persecution to the United States of America. Oh my God, could you ask God to send that? I don't know, but I've tried everything else. Maybe we could use a good, strong dose of persecution. Well, you don't get many amens on that, but it's the truth. I said we could use a strong dose of persecution. I tell you what, people in the United States of America, I've watched them for many, many, many years. They come to the church and they sit in nice padded padded chairs and they crab because the chairs are, aren't soft enough or they crab because there's too much, it's too cold, it's too warm, it's stuffy, the music wasn't this, the music wasn't that. How about if we, if somebody turned a bunch of wild lions loose on you? How would you like that? Are you okay for this kind of preaching? Do you see the Spirit of God hit me? Huh? Or do you want me to just stand here and be just a nice little puppet? I don't know that it's even scriptural to ask God to send persecution. I've never said that before. But at last you get to the point where you preach and you preach and you watch the Spirit of God work and work. And and at last you just say, my God, we could use a dose of persecution. Why? Because I see people that are sitting and not doing what they're supposed to do. And when persecution comes, there's something about that that gets people moving in the right direction and getting people saved. Can you say amen? Glory to God. You okay? I don't know that it's scriptural to say God send persecution. I might, if I think about that, I might take that one back. But you know what? We might be able, be able to get more done if persecution came. Huh? You look at the Hebrews in the Old Testament, they really got stirred up and going as they were persecuted. And the Bible says the more they were persecuted, the more they got done for God. Persecution, sometimes it takes persecution to get people stirred up. You know how you could fill this place up to running over on Wednesday nights? Is if they passed a law in the land that said you cannot come to church on Wednesday nights. You'd have Christians coming out of the woodworks saying, how dare you tell us we can't come. We're coming on Wednesday. But see, we live in this nice society. Huh? Huh? I'm talking about a day when people got fed to the lions for their stand for Christ. We live in a day here in the United States where Christians are crabbing and complaining because the the temperature in the room isn't right. My God, we've got to get over ourselves. Huh? Did you hear me? Now, I didn't have that in my notes, but the power of God just hit me. Glory to God. Somebody say, preach it, Pastor. (laughs) Well, I believe I've said enough about that. Did you get what I was saying there? 
Wouldn't it be better to let the Spirit of God stir us up? Wouldn't it be better to let the preacher through, through the Holy Ghost stir us up? Word of God. Wouldn't that be better? But you know what? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if we won't let the Spirit of God do it, if we won't let the, the, the anointed preaching do it, I tell you what, maybe persecution just needs to hit this land. And I say, God, give us preachers that will stand in the pulpit and declare the Word of God knowing that their life may be at stake, but they declare the Word of God nonetheless. Amen. Now then, I'll close with this. What should our attitude... So what about the United States? I, you know, all I can tell you is, is that I believe we could use a good dose of persecution. And I'll tell you something else while I'm at it. If persecution hit this nation, I tell you what, I tell you what, I believe a, a new breed of preacher would rise up and declare the word of God instead of standing behind pulpits giving feel-good little talks. What this nation needs is pulpits on fire preaching the word of God. The, the secret to this nation's greatness is, is pulpits on fire with the word of God. And I'll go you one more. Get people so on fire with the Word of God that they stand up and they go to the voting booths like we just saw last Tuesday and vote some of these reprobates out and throw them up, these abortionists and these baby killers and throw them out on the street and put some righteous people in there. Can you say amen? Glory to God. My prayer is that every abortionist judge on that Supreme Court gets removed. Can you say amen? amen? I tell you what, I tell you, if pulpits would rise up in thunder and preach the gospel, the, un- the, the, the uncompromised, anointed Word of God, and get Christians stirred up and say, hey, haven't you noticed? We've got people in Washington. They're trying to take our freedom away from us. They're trying to take what's made this nation great away from us. Hey, let's wake up. Let's go out to the voting booths under the anointing of God and let's cast our vote. It's our right. People died. They bled so we could have the right to vote. Let's go in the voting booth and let's vote and let's vote the devil out and vote the righteous crowd in. And you saw that last Tuesday. And I tell you what, in two years, I can't wait to go again and throw the devil out and get the righteous in. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Boy, none of that was in my notes, but my God, that's by the that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Glory to God. I can't wait for Tuesday, two years, when voting day, and let's go throw the ungodly out. Amen? Let's fire them, bless God. Amen. But the ultimate answer is not in Democrats. It's not in Republicans. It's not in Independents. It's in the Word of God. It's in Jesus Christ and the uncompromised Word of God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Boy, I can tell some people's been praying for me. Ah, you get to pray in the pulpit and get on fire, man. All right. Acts 5.40, go there. God sent persecution. I've never said that before. I don't even know. Like I said, I might take that one back, but you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, <laughs> Acts 5:40. What should I will close as I make these next few statements?
What should our attitude toward persecution be when it comes? Look at Acts 5.40. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council. What were they doing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now I might also add they didn't let these threats stop them. They continued preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. But the point I want you to get here is what should our attitude be when they persecute us? We ought to real loud say rejoice. rejoice. And why should we rejoice that we're counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus? Jesus said this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What do we do when persecution comes our way? What do we do? We retaliate? No, we don't retaliate. What do we do? We rejoice. Say rejoice. Say it again. When persecution comes our way, do we retaliate or do we rejoice? rejoice? Amen. Praise God. And then know this, the Apostle Paul said, What persecutions I endured. When persecution comes our way, we endure it with a rejoicing heart. And then Paul went on to say, And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Remember this, he's still a deliverer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a deliverer. And you see, Paul, he got delivered out of those things that came against him and he lived to be an old man before they cut his head off. And if you study his life out, they really, they, they put him to death on his terms because he said, I'm caught in a straight betwixt two having to, you know, should I, should I go on to heaven or should I stay here? He said, it's more needful for you that I stay here. But he said, I have this desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Say far better. But when persecution hits you, don't think about ways you can get even. Just rejoice and be exceedingly glad because our reward will be great in heaven. Amen? Amen. So then, what do we do? How do we pray for the persecuted church? How do we pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the, throughout the world that are being persecuted? How do we pray for them? We pray for them that their faith would not fail. Amen. And that God would strengthen them that they might endure. And then also when you pray for the persecuted church, there's something else you need to do. You don't just pray for those that are being persecuted, but you pray for those who are doing the persecuting. Well, how do you pray? Well, you pray that they'd get saved. Remember Saul was the chief persecutor of the church? And what happened? He got saved. His name was changed to Paul. And then the Bible said the churches had peace. Rather than retaliating against the persecutor, pray for them that they might get saved. And when they get saved, the persecution stops. Stand with me if you would. Anything, just, just, just listen here. If you're here today, maybe you've come today and you, you, you don't know where you stand with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and if I asked you and I said, Hey, where are you going when you die? What's going to happen to you when you die? Yeah, you may not.